And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Get the popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stompers. Stompers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. What's up? Welcome in. Moving into week four of the NFL season, Bears and Colts this week. A tougher test for the 3-0 Chicago Bears. Come on. Tougher than the Lions? Not tougher tougher than the Giants. Okay, maybe the Falcons. Um, All three combined. (laughs) Okay. Seems fair. It's a fair Uh, fight. Although, as some people have pointed out to me on Twitter this week, uh, it's not like the Colts have played anyone either. Their opponents are also 1-8. and eight. Yes. However, if you watch the games against the Vikings and Jets, they beat those teams the way a good team should beat those teams. Uh, didn't have to rally in the fourth quarter or anything like that. Uh, whatever. It's the NFL. Things tend to even out on Sunday uh, as long as you can put together four quarters of football, which the Chicago Bears have not yet done. No, definitely not. Uh, we're going to break it all down for you, as we usually do on our Thursday preview episodes. Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts for The Athletic, will be here. We'll talk to him about what's going on in Indianapolis. You can follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read Johnsy at The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you can subscribe. My stuff is up at NBCSportsChicago.com. Plenty of coverage up there uh, from all the Bears quarterback happenings that's been going on this week. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. And we'll jump right in, um, actually, with some non-Bears news because... Just coming out this morning as uh, we record on this Thursday is we have our first postponement, real postponement uh, due to COVID-19 as the Titans Steelers are trying to play this game on Monday or Tuesday. More positive tests coming in today, though, from yesterday's testing, and uh, they just have to bang this game for right now. They're going to have to move it later into the season, which is interesting because they don't share a bye week. They're going to have to shuffle some games around here I think to be able to fit this in unless they're going to start talking about having a week 18 or something like that yeah well I thought there was some flexibility built into the NFL schedule for for things like this like this is is worrisome for the NFL but I don't think it's surprising for them in a sense um I'm not gonna hit the the freak out button 
right now because it sounds like whoever is um, positive right now with the coronavirus doesn't sound like they're in, in peril or anything like that, right? Maybe they're symptomatic. Um, of course, it's not always about you. It's about who you know is around you. So obviously, there's some concern there. Um, I don't want to make it. I'm not making light of this, but um, yeah, look, if, if the Major League Baseball can get through what, what they did with the Cardinals and others, football can surely get through this with the Titans. Right, but there's limited weeks to play games, so you know you can't just take an off day and fill it with a doubleheader. It's, it's not baseball where you can just do that, so I think that's where the scheduling gets a little bit more complicated. Um, I do think if, you know... If they end up having multiple games going forward, they, I think they can squeeze in an extra week at the end of the schedule, either by moving the Super Bowl back, the playoffs back, or just getting rid of um, that bye week or before the Super Bowl. I mean, there's things like that. Otherwise, they're going to have to move some games around. The Bears do play the Titans this season, so it is just something to watch. I have no idea how... Once you start moving games around, there's a huge trickle-down effect. Um, so, But it is something to watch. They don't play the Colts. They do play the Titans. I think the more important thing is hopefully this just serves as a reminder to, and I'm sure, I'm sure every team is emphasizing this this week, that, hey, we can't let this happen because you're seeing it now affect... Uh, not just one team, but two teams. The Steelers now have to deal with an extra bye week, whether that's a good thing or bad thing. It has an effect on them. And I'm just talking from a football standpoint. Obviously, the health and safety of these players is first and foremost. But it it will be interesting, too, because, John, there, there's some discipline that can be put into effect, fines, suspensions, things like that, if players were violating, or even staff are violating the rules that were you know set forth before the season right now, it sounds like Mike Vrabel doesn't think he has to do that. So I don't know where this, you know, outbreak started, but uh, just a reminder to everyone that not only do you have to be careful when you're away from the facility, but the importance of the social distancing. That's where I think once you're in the building, maybe there's like a false sense of safety because, Hey, I'm practicing against these guys during the day anyway. So maybe the mass thing doesn't really matter. It's only natural. Like, Oh, I'm inside the bubble, inside our team bubble. You know, it's it's not that big of a deal. Um, but it just is a reminder that, hey, you never know somebody else in the building might have caught it and you don't need an outbreak within the team. There is a very advanced contact tracing system in um, where they get all those bracelets or, or watch-like things. So they could trace this. And um, I, I'm always intrigued by the answers that come about. You know, like to, to hear, you know, the stories about the baseball guys breaking protocols and going to the bars and stuff like that. I'm interested to see what comes out of this. I'm not saying that type of stuff will, but I'm curious about it. I think everybody kind of is. When, when all this came about, I, I kept thinking about what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy kept saying. Like, it's the, the team that handles this the best could have the best success this season. Uh, the team that, you know, is keeps itself accountable to wearing the masks, to practicing social distancing when they're in the building or outside the building. 
would set itself up for the best success this year. Um, I think you're kind, you're kind of seeing that play out because, like you said, there's a ripple effect in how this affects um, the operations and, and the game planning and the the actual scheduling of the NFL season. Well, look, the Titans were in a situation this week where they were basically not going to be able to practice until the weekend and then supposedly going to play a game on t- potentially Tuesday. Um, that was the plan until more positive tests came in because once another positive test came in, they'd keep pushing the practice week back and eventually you ran out of days. I mean, that's essentially what happened here. But So you start talking about impacting practice time uh, and, and pushing games back and then all of a sudden next week becomes a short week. These are the types of things that you're talking about, John Z, that I know the Bears have been emphasizing is, hey, this is a... Um, it becomes a competitive disadvantage once you start having an outbreak. And let's again put this in perspective of the health and safety of these guys, everybody, the, the team personnel. Again, they may be asymptomatic right now, but it's not always about that person who's not dealing with symptoms. It's possibly passing it on to someone who could have serious complications. So it's all layered. It's all serious. Time will tell how this plays out for the NFL. Yeah, so we'll have to uh, continue to track uh, that. I know uh, f- fantasy text groups everywhere are freaking out about how this affects fantasy lineups this week and who's, uh, you know, what to do with these guys that aren't going to be playing. Is it just count as a bye week? Things like that. So um, obviously, it's a serious situation, first and foremost, with the virus. But uh, from a football standpoint, um, this has been a, a huge story this week. All right. Well, the Colts are in the Titans division, so it's a little bit of a good transition here as we bring in Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Z Kiefer, K-E-E-F-E-R, and you should be doing that this week as the Bears get set to host the Colts on Sunday at Soldier Field. Zach, what's going on? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, I guess we could start there. The Titans are in the Colts division uh, how closely have you been paying attention to this story this week? What kind of trickle down? I don't know, scheduling, things like that. I mean, we're just kind of guessing at this point with that. But I know we've been watching the Vikings since they played the Colts on Sunday. Unfortunately, at this point, there's been no positive tests up in Minnesota. But it's been an interesting story this week. Yeah, I think the old NFL has sort of been not necessarily waiting for this to happen, but cautious that it could happen. And like you said, the Colts played the Vikings a week before this. So it could totally be the Colts in the same situation the Vikings are in, et cetera. The Colts have a couple games against the Titans down in November uh, in a three-week span. So do those games get moved around? I think everything's up in the air at this point. On the field for, for, for you guys, uh, I'm, I'm wondering, how's Phillip Rivers fitting in? You know, we spent this week talking to a, a few players, Zach, about the, the trippiness that he brings and – you know, I don't think he had the best week one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, when you pay big money for a, a veteran like this, you know, what are you getting so far? What are the Colts getting so far after three weeks? Yeah, good question. Sort of complicated question, right? Um, he's been good. They paid a lot of money. They paid $25 million. But the thing about this was they didn't need him to be the Philip Rivers that he's been for most of his career. They didn't need him to be a pro bowler. They didn't need to be to be even one of the top five or 10 best players on the team because the roster is so much better than it has been in the past. They just needed him to be better than Jacoby Brissett was last year. And he's done that. You're right about week one, um, two terrible interceptions that cost them and they lost to the Jacks. 
and they licked their wounds. And then they came back the next two weeks and played really well. If you watch the tape, you see a guy who's really, really accurate. He's leading the league in completion percentage. He's leading the league. He's like, he's like averaging 10 yards of throw, which surprised me. I didn't expect that after watching the tape. He hasn't taken a lot of deep shots, uh, but he's been exceptionally accurate from that 8 to 10 to 15-yard window. That's all they need. They've got a really good running game. It's a really balanced attack right now, but he's not a guy that's going to light up the scoreboard. So Frank Reich uh, has a, c- the same connections, uh, you know, trickle down from Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, um, Matt Nagy. They're, they're all intertwined here. So what does this Colts offense look right look like right now? You just mentioned how balanced they've been. They add Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, uh, and and he's looked really good. Are they are they more of a run first team right now? For sure. For sure. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try and get Taylor over 100 yards, and they're going to stick with the run. They've got the best line in football by a lot of people's estimations, and the line's been really, really good this year. They're just going to run a lot of zone runs. And Taylor's not there yet. He's got some growing to do in terms of seeing the holes and hitting the holes, but he's really good for a rookie. Um, They're not going to light you up in the way a lot of offenses will around the league. They're not going to throw the ball down the field like Kansas City. They're not going to spread you out like Baltimore. It's sort of just a very methodical offense, and they're down a couple receivers. Paris Campbell's out. Michael Pittman Jr.'s out. They've got some guys who step up, but they're not going to be as good as they normally would be. So, look, if you're the Bears, you've got to corral T.Y. Hilton, and you've got to corral Jonathan Taylor. The Colts are not going to light up the scoreboard. They're not going to score 40 points on Sunday, um, but they can definitely move the ball, and they can definitely score in that 25-point range. So, Zach, that's where I, I think a key matchup in this game is this week because the Bears run defense. They're without Eddie Goldman, who opted out this season, and I've been describing it as leaky. Like, they're not bad, but they're not what they what we're kind of used to seeing uh, in Chicago, at least the last couple seasons, where they it doesn't matter who you are. They're going to bottle your, your running game up. Um, I was surprised looking at the football outsiders' rankings of the offensive line so far that the Colts are actually 18th. At this point, you mentioned they're playing really well. Um, they've given up eight sacks, so I don't know if that's what's bringing their numbers down. But give us, I guess, a better sense of how that offensive line is playing because I always look at that Colts offensive line and, and say, hey, this is the best thing Chris Ballard's done since he got to Indy, take an awful offensive line and make it really good. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and you can you can take football, pro football focus and turn the stats around to anyone, any kind of angle you want. Um, it helps that Rivers throws the ball so quickly. He just gets the ball out. That's why they're not taking deep shots because those deep shots take four or five seconds to develop, right? That's all sort of in sync right now. He he gets the ball out fast. The line's blocking. Taylor's done a good job. Um, they've been good. They had a step back against the Jets. I think they had a couple bit misplays. But, um, look, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run it behind 56 Quentin Nelson. He's an all-pro his first two years in the league. The rest of the guys are really good. And if you go back, you know, going back to 2018, I think there's second fewest sacks allowed in the league. So they're still very, very much in that elite category. The matchup, I think, in Chicago we all want to see is Akeem Hicks versus Quentin Nelson. I'm not sure how much the Bears will do it. They do move Hicks around quite a bit, Roy Roberts and Harris. Um, said the other day he expects to see some of Quentin Nelson. So from your vantage point in, in Indy, like how's that view, the, 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 the potential Hicks-Nelson matchup where you got pro bowler versus going pro bowler, maybe a veteran, older veteran, versus the, the up-and-coming 
I'm going to be star has arrived rookie. Or not rookie, young guy. You know what I mean. Yeah, and Hicks has been tearing it up so far, right? I mean, I'm excited to see this one. Um, you throw out Khalil Mack on the side against you know Anthony Costanzo, the left tackle. That's going to be possibly where this game is decided. You said the Bears' run defense is a little leaky. You know, we've seen that in the stats, and that's a little surprising. Um, the Colts might be able to get them there, but I don't know if they can slow down Akeem Hicks. Now, where will they move him around at? Because if he goes above the ball, he's going to face Ryan Kelly. That's another pro bowler. And if he goes a little bit further, Mark Lewinsky, the other guard, the right guard, has been really good too. So it's kind of like pick your poison if you're the Colts. You feel really good about all the spots. Quentin Nelson is a very difficult man to move. That's going to be the you know, if you're like a football nut, you really want to watch, you know, one of those inside matchups. I think Nelson and Akeem Hicks is the matchup to watch Sunday. You know, one of the interesting things too is that the Bears were so high on Quentin Nelson and the Colts. Well, they, well, they took him in front of the Bears. And the guy that the Bears took after that was Roquan Smith, who is, I mean, Adam will tell you, um, he's part of the leaky problem on that defense just because of how inconsistent he's been in the middle of the defense. So at least for us in Chicago, that's an interesting storyline because we all know how high the Bears were on Quentin Nelson. Yeah, and he's a South Bend guy, right? Played in Notre Dame. And, um, look, you don't take a guard in the top ten very often. I think it was the first time in franchise history the Colts had done that. But you take him if he's Quentin Nelson, he's going to be a pro bowler his first two years. And, and let's be honest, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer by the time it's said and done. I had him number one in that draft. I mean, that, I, he You can make the case that he's the best player to come out yeah, of the draft. I didn't care that he was a guard. I'm like, you watch, you watch this guy just maul college kids, and he's, he's a beast. He's already, he has he, made the offensive guard position go viral. I mean, yeah. who's done that? Who's done that? He's, he's done it. Now, now, that screaming video, though, that was doctored a bit, though, wasn't it? You know that was doctored. About? And uh, between you and me, Colts, uh, the Colts media staff who did that got in a little bit of trouble. Oh, Ooh. Was so not, fun. Quentin was got so fined. Fun. He got fined for that. Really? Oh, He was not happy. Yes, no, no. Um, was that the same draft as Darius Leonard, too? 18, 19, yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty good draft, right? If your first yeah. uh, two picks are Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, two pro bowlers. And, yeah. Dar- and Darius has been better than Roquan. I mean, Roquan Smith hasn't been bad. He's just... Is he, he draft- sort of a poor man's Darius Leonard? Not that that's not, a, that's not a knock, but... Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair at this point. I mean, they're in different schemes, but right. he, he's... Uh, Ro- Roquan, look, you get drafted in the top 10 like that, Especially in Chicago, I mean, the ex- we talked to Lance Briggs about this on our podcast earlier this week. I mean, you're and even Lance Briggs is like, no, you're in Chicago. You got you got you're supposed to play like Brian Urlacher and Lance Briggs uh, when you're drafted that high. So I think part of it's the expectations and him just not living up to that yet. But as Johnsy said, I mean, it's just been kind of inconsistency. Whereas Darius Leonard came on the scene and he's just been awesome. He's a freak. He's a freak, and he's only getting better. Let me ask you guys this. What's the temperature right now of Chuck Pagano and the job he's done with the defense? Our old friend, who we spent a lot of time with in Indy. I'm going to say lukewarm yeah. if we're going to use the, the temperature gauge because I, I think this defense had such high expectations that well, well, we set for them, fans set for them, but also they set for themselves. And as Adam said, that there's a leakiness to the run game. Um, they should have lost against the, the Lions in Week 1 if DeAndre Swift could catch the ball in the end zone. Um, they have given up some big plays. So for a lot of money spent on the defensive line, um, draft capital spent, um, 
and the expectations that they set for themselves. I, I think lukewarm is a good way to describe the, the performance thus far of the whole unit, and that goes back to Chuck Pagano. Be amazing if they were one and two, right? If those fourth quarter comebacks don't happen, it'd be amazing how much different the tone and the radio shows and the, just the feel around the team would be, right? Zach, how is he viewed in Indy? Um, not not so much as the head coach, but just defensively, because like in Chicago right now, p- part of it's a little unfair because uh, he's he followed Vic Fangio and that amazing right. twenty eighteen defense, but he doesn't blitz as much as Fangio. Um, he it just they seem to sit back just a little bit more, and I think that's where some of the frustration with the fans. He's by the way, he's not under fire here. I think Johnsy put it right. It's just sort of lukewarm and just a little bit of frustration. The irony here is that the Colts are coming up to Soldier Field on Sunday with the number one defense in the league. And I know they haven't played anyone, right? And it's early. It's week three. But they've got the number one scoring defense, the number one rush defense, the number one pass defense. they got six takeaways in the last two games. This is the defense they always wanted under Chuck Gunner but never had. Um, and Indy, people like Chuck. He was a nice guy. He couldn't coach the defense. Um, it was Andrew Luck and a bunch of scrubs. And Andrew Luck was good enough to get them to an AFC championship game. The defense never got there. When he came here, Chuck promised that they were going to dictate the tempo and they were going to control the game on the defensive side of the ball. Never happened. Never, never happened. So um, that's changed now in a big way. They've drafted much better. And the funny thing is the Colts might come into Soldier Field with a better defense than the home team on Sunday. Um, though I'm excited to watch the matchup because I think it's going to be fun to watch this Colts offense against the Bears defense. I want to go back to Frank Reich uh, quickly. Just his his connections and what he knows about Nick Foles, like strengths, weaknesses, all that stuff. How do you think that plays out when you have an opposing coach who knows the opposing quarterback so well, so thoroughly well? Yeah, so if you listen to Frank's talk this week. I mean, he basically said Nick Foles is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the NFL. He's magic in the pocket. He's absolutely unflappable. He throws the best deep ball he's ever seen. I'm like, all right, let's 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 take a step back here, Frank. I mean, Nick Foles lost the competition to Trubisky in, in camp, so he's not, you know, that far ahead. But that's just Frank. He would say that about every quarterback. Um, look, usually in most weeks, he just lets Matt Eberflus run the defense. Literally, he just gives him the room and the defensive coordinator runs a show. This is a week where Frank will go in there and talk to them a little bit more. This is what Nick's good at. This is what he struggles with. And the Jags came to Indy last year when Foles was actually healthy. And, and I know it's different rosters, and the Bears have more talent on offense than the Jags did. The Colts won by 20. Foles did nothing special at all. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, this Colts defense, in a way, is kind of built to have the lead because they can get after the pass rusher like they've done the last couple of weeks. They have two safeties. Um, if the Colts get up, I'm not sure the Bears can stage another comeback and, and Foles can recreate that magic. But we've seen him do it time and again, so you never know. So another connection here um, is Chris Ballard, Ryan Pace. The Bears, those are the finalists for the Bears GM job um, six years ago now. And obviously the uh, Bears went with Pace. Ballard, who used to work for the Bears back in the day, ends up in Indy a few years later. Ballard, of course, worked with Matt Nagy in Kansas City. Uh, Nagy talked yesterday about how close their families are. A lot of connections in this AFC-NFC matchup here. But how has Chris Ballard uh, been viewed 
in Indy so far, the job he's done. Obviously, he got dealt a huge curveball with Andrew Luck retiring suddenly. Um, but he's he's a guy I see quite frequently at uh, at uh, Northwestern games, scouting the sidelines. I like that he always scouts on the sidelines. He doesn't sit up on the press box. He's very right. active in his college scouting. I like Chris Ballard a ton. It's hard not to. And uh, I say that as someone who covers the team. Look, he's been dealt more curveballs than just Andrew Luck retiring. I mean, remember Josh McDaniels? He was the Colts coach for like 12 hours. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, look, Ballard has won over the fan base, and here's how he's done it. He's drafted exceptionally well, and he rebuilt the offensive line, and then he rebuilt the defensive line. And Andrew Luck literally had football beaten out of him because he just got the crap knocked out of him every single week. And Ballard's like, look, I'm going to go draft Quentin Nelson. I'm going to draft Braden Smith. I'm going to pay Brian Kelly. I'm going to draft, you know, Mark Lewinsky. So um, that was a huge step in him winning over the fan base. They had a great 18. They won nine of their last 10. They made the playoffs, made the second round. Um, Then they got blown away with the curveball that was Andrew Luck's retirement last August. And they won seven games and they were five and two with Jacoby Brissett. And and it became very clear that Jacoby Brissett was not an NFL starter at the end of the season. But it's amazing to see this roster now with where it was five years ago. It's got so much more depth. When when the Colts cut guys, they get picked up on other teams right away. When they used to cut guys, they were done playing in the NFL. So he's improved the depth a lot. The big question is what they do with quarterback. Phillip Rivers is 38. He might play next year. He might not. They don't have a long-term plan in place. It might be Jacob Eason, the rookie out of Washington. He can throw it a mile, but that's a long way off. So um, they've got a really good roster. They got a really good head coach in Frank Reich, but um, they need to figure out the quarterback situation. All right, Zach, it's time to put you on the spot, and we do this with all the, the beat guys that, that come on this show. Um, how are you feeling uh, about this one? What's your pick? So I deserve all the blame in the world if this goes wrong, and I uh, am wrong about this on Monday. Um, I picked Colts 27, Bears 17. I'm going to stick with it. I think the Colts are pretty good. I'm starting to buy the defense. Um, I do think the Bears are living a little dangerously. I don't know if they can keep staging these late-game comebacks. Nick Foles doesn't really impress me all that much. Um, I know what he's done with Philly, and I know all that stuff, but um, I think the Colts are pretty well-balanced, and I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think the Colts will probably win this one. I think that's a fair pick. They're favored, I think, in this. As a, they are two-and-a-half-point favorites right now. Favorite. Zach, thanks so much. Great insight. Uh, appreciate your time today, and uh, usually I'd say, well, are you coming to Soldier Field this week? No, it's a no. bummer. My wife and I are going to make a trip out of it and, and see some old friends in Chicago, but it's just such a weird year. Yeah, I know. Usually, I, usually this is where I'd say see you on Sunday, but that's it, just 2020 right now. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, All Zach. Right. There he is, Zach Kiefer. Covers the Colts uh, for The Athletic. Again, his Twitter account, at ZKiefer. Go check him out there. Uh, get some great coverage this week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Johns, before we get into our three big questions, I, I do want to go back and revisit when the Bears hired Ryan Pace. Okay. 
because I know my choice um, at the time, I, and partially because I just didn't know enough about Ryan Pace at the time. If you remember, I mean, it was somewhat of a surprising hire um, yeah. because even though he had done a great job with the Saints, he wasn't as well known, certainly in Chicago, as Chris Ballard because Ballard had been in Chicago on the staff before. But I, I remember writing and arguing. I don't know how this would have worked out, but I like the idea of Chris Ballard and Dave Tobe. Yeah. Oh, Dave Tobe as head coach? Yes. I, I, don't, I, I, I do not agree with you on the Dave Tobe part. I think there's a reason why he is still not a head coach. I, I, I don't know what that reason is, but I think, I don't know. It's Well, October I think part of it first. is yes. it, it's just uh, the offensive... Everybody Acumen. wants these off. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I, I, whether it's Dave Tober, part of the reason why I like the Joe Judge hire in New York is because I think more special teams coordinators um, should be head coaches. Now, I, yeah, I don't know how that would have gone. Um, what I do feel like would have happened is, it, I don't even know Chris Ballard would have hired Dave Tobe. Obviously, that was just. Well, he, he didn't do it in Indy. Right. He That's lost his guy, Zach City. <laughs> like, but he clear, to, clearly, he had, to, he, he had to go to his backup plan. Josh McDaniels yeah. like spurned him. Well, I think he ended up with a better coach out of that. Maybe At least man, head yeah. coach yeah. in Frank Reich. So I think that worked out for the Colts. Um, I don't know how it would have gone with Dave Tobe, or even if that would have happened. Uh, I don't know that it would have gone worse than what happened under John Fox, though. I'll put it that way. And... um. I do think they would have moved on from Jay Cutler faster, especially if Dave Tobe had been part of that, um, because I'm pretty sure when Dave Tobe interviewed for the head coaching job that Mark Tressman got, that was part of the conversation, that he wanted to get a different quarterback. So uh, maybe that would have been a good thing if they had moved on from Cutler sooner. Uh, I think that was something that Ryan Pace was willing to do, but he was stuck with the contract and some of the options he wanted to go after didn't work out. It's always kind of fun to go back in time though and wonder how these things would have worked out. Yeah. I'm trying to remember my reporting from back then. I remember getting a quote from somebody saying that Ballard knew where the skeletons in the closet were at Hallisall to use that old cliche. And I think that just involves how the bears run, the bears operate, whether that's Cutler, whether it's who he reports to, I think Ballard wanted some some different things. Maybe that just wasn't what the Bears wanted at that point. Um, I do think things have turned out okay for both teams. Um, I know they're, I know Ryan Pace is not a popular figure because of the Trubisky pick, but the defense is what it is because of him. Um, Ballard has done the same thing in Indianapolis, and he's got a quarterback conundrum there too. Like uh, as Zach said, what do you do after Phillip Rivers um, this season? You know, the guy is thirty eight. I agree. I think both of them have done a, a pretty good job. Ballard hasn't. I mean, he's been there for less time, but he still has yet to turn them into a winner. I think this is a good Colts team, though. Um, it will get to we'll get to that in a second here. When we get to our picks. Let's jump into our our three big questions, Johnsy. It was your week. It's my turn. It's my week. Okay, week four. Three big questions. Number one, Mister Hogue, what will Nick Foles do for an encore? I think. Sunday, when we do our post game episode, the we're going to be talking about how Nick Foles was fine, and we're going to be talking about how maybe somewhat of that comeback in Atlanta was fool's gold. 
I don't even know if that's the right term. Here's my feeling right now this week. I think it's this. I think part of it is the uh, how tired and exhausted people were with Mitch Trubisky. That there's just sort of this sense of relief that this move has been made, and Nick Foles is now the starter. And I think it's just sort of natural for, as a result, Foles to get hyped up a little bit too much. Fair. Okay. I also don't think Foles was perfect. Some people nationally have correctly focused on, well, correctly and incorrectly, if that makes sense, focused on that sort of lucky pass he had throwing in the triple coverage that went through right through the hands of, was it Keanu well, three, diff- three different guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Jimmy Graham caught. Now, the one thing I will say about that, because he got criticism for that throw, that was third down. That was basically a punt. I like that he threw that ball up. That's smart quarterback play. If you get picked off there, that's not the end of the world. Unless um, it's returned, but yes. I, I right. understand the thought process. I mean, the play was breaking down. He had to roll out, and he launched the ball up to a guy who's who's 6'4". So yeah. I don't have... You're trailing. Or no, 6'7". Yeah, you're trailing Graham, significantly six, in the game. You got to take chances. Um, I feel like some of the... Call them the fireworks uh, uh, from Atlanta can carry over, but, but it's got to happen early. Like, if they don't make big plays early... Then you're in for this defensive stalemate. Like the Colts are allowed to, to settle in. Like if his shots aren't hit early, then yes, that Colts defense that Zach talked about can settle in and get after him and keep things in front of them a little bit. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I am intrigued by the the Frank Reich. How well do I know you, Nick Foles? Scenario here: um, the strengths, the weaknesses, all of the above, and how it affects the game. Well, I think Frank Reich knows that he's. I, I I know I've talked about this before. He's a he's a system quarterback. He's a product, but he's a product of this system, and I think it's a really, really, really good fit. Which is why in the off season, I said this is the move the Bears should make out of all the quarterback moves. They should go trade for Nick Foles. And so I also don't want to sound like I'm bashing the guy. I just I think it's a tough matchup. Really, more than anything, I think I think it's Frank knows him. It's good defense. He knows the system. It's a good defense. So I'll be surprised if Sunday night we're talking about like Nick Foles. Is, he's going to the Pro Bowl, Johns. The Bears, <laughs> they're 4-0, and this offense is taking off. You can't stop them. They're a juggernaut. Like I don't think that's happening. Okay. Number two. How will the Bears replace running back? Little do-everything to Cohen. I think this is a bigger – I don't – mean to minimize his impact on the off. I think this is a bigger problem on special teams, to be honest. Um, you don't like Anthony Miller as a punt returner? Not so much I don't like it. Uh, he's a little bit more unproven. I get a little nervous with Anthony Miller cu- holding on to the football, catching the football sometimes, and getting hurt. We just saw Tariq Cohen get hurt. You know, one of the, my criticisms of Cohen as a punt returner was sometimes I hated how he would not run up and fair catch the football. And he would let it drop, and then it would roll 20 yards. Well, guess what? He ran up and caught that football fair catch, and he tore his ACL. You yeah, know? Yeah, and great. so it, it's 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 a dangerous thing, even when you're fair catching, um, which is why I honestly, in the right situation, would love to see Eddie Jackson get a chance. 
to return one because I think he could return it for a touchdown when you see the way he returns interceptions. But that is an incredibly dangerous thing to do for all the reasons I just mentioned. Yeah, he's, he's an all-pro. He's one of your best players on the team. I, the only time I would do it, because we've seen this like teams do this before with like some of their best offensive players or best whatever, like that early fourth down punt where you need a big play made um, where you put like a Tyreek Hill back there, or you put an Eddie Jackson like there back there. That, that's what I would do. Like it's got to be very situational. I would not keep him back there for the entire game because you just don't want him exposed to hits. You want him hitting guys. You don't want him getting hit. Um, at least on plays like that. Um, as far as offensively, Tariq Cohen's production hasn't been anything special this year. Wasn't anything special last year, but he's still a fearsome player. Like teams have to respect him. Every snap. That's where the loss is. It, defenses have to account for him. Um, and I always go back to the playoff game against the Eagles when Trey Burton was out. All of a sudden, they focused in on Cohen and took him out of the game. I guess that's one of the things I've been sort of wondering about, though, the first two, uh, three games here. Maybe it's just the Bears have more options, but I haven't felt like Cohen's been all that dangerous. A couple nice plays every game, and he did that against Atlanta, too. Those plays seem replaceable to me. I almost feel like this is going to work out better for David Montgomery. I like David Montgomery. I think he can be more involved in the passing game. Um, and I think that this will help there. I I kind of like... I don't know how much Artavis Pierce is really going to get in the game. I I don't... I hate. I like his skill set. Yeah. I, I I think he's. I think he's going to be fine. I just offensively. I for some reason. I'm this. I haven't been too bothered by the this this injury this week. I've made this argument that they're better built to handle a loss like this because you got Jimmy Graham, you got Darnell Mooney, and here's a guy I want to bring up: Cole Komet, a guy who could definitely be more involved in the passing game, and I think his chances of doing that improve. Not only because certain snaps and certain plays are out of the picture now because Cohen's out of the picture, but Nick Foles might be able to get to him in the progression over the middle. So I think he can possibly be a factor, especially in terms of matchups now. Like Cohen was a good matchup problem over the middle because of those linebackers and because, you know, safeties and whatnot. Now you can insert plays and concepts more for your second round pick. Cole Komet. Real quick before we get number three, because I just want to make sure I had this written down. I want to make sure I make this point before we got here. I think this is a game where Matt Nagy's play calling really gets highlighted, either for good or bad. I think part of that is because of what we talked about with Frank Reich, knowing Nick Foles. One of the themes we've been talking about this week is we don't know if this offense is going to look more like they're they're running with Mitch Trubisky the first three weeks or what Matt Nagy probably knows he can do with Nick Foles. Now, the one thing, when we were breaking all that stuff down with the under center, the play action, and all those types of things with Trubisky, the one thing we talked about was that defenses were going to adjust. And what would it look like when they adjust? At some point this year... We were going to see a game where Nagy went back to more of the shotgun stuff um, just because he probably thought that for that week it makes sense. That's where I still want to see um, the head coach become more of that coach that can go week to week and find the right matchups and exploit those matchups and not look like the same team every week. I think you know the good teams do that in the NFL. 
It's not college football where you can just be your your you know your offensive identity and just do it every single week for a decade um, with different players. This this league you adapt and you have to adapt fast or you're in trouble. And so I just think that this week there's a lot of questions. As as much as I think the Colts are probably the better team, they have some questions and how the hell the Bears are going to attack them, and how they're going to adjust with Tariq Cohen out. And there's some unknowns, and I think that's where a really good play caller can exploit this Colts defense. All right, let's move on to the other side of the ball. But I I do agree with you. I think with Nick Foles, we'll have a better idea of how great of a play caller or how not so great Matt Nagy is, not only this game, but for the rest of the season. Number three. Can this defense do what they did to Matt Ryan and get after Phillip Rivers? What are you looking at when you watch Quentin Nelson possibly match up against Akeem Hicks? I mean, I love that matchup. Can we just get a side camera on those two the whole game? I'm down with that. You know what I picture in my mind is that that, that gif, that gif of like the two bears in the water, you know, kind of yeah. wrestling. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. All we need is a horse wrestling a bear. Yes. And, and then it would be perfect. Can somebody make that illustration for us, please? Somebody's got to do that. And it can't be like a pony. It's got to be like a stallion. Right. Can the defense get after Phillip Rivers? If that's the question, yes. I'm more worried about can they contain Jonathan Taylor? That's that's more what I'm worried about. I think, you know, Akeem Hicks' chances against Quentin Nelson... Uh, would be better if you knew you had Eddie Goldman in the middle to eat up two other blockers. I mean, if they're able to chip the center uh, and, and quickly quickly double Hicks off the snap, then move to the other side, and then you leave Nelson one-on-one with Hicks. I mean, I as much as I love Akeem Hicks and have been you know raving about him for years on this podcast, I, that's, that's a really tough matchup this week. It really is. And so... I, I think can on the edges, can they win? Can Khalil Mack make a huge impact? By the way, Khalil Mack's been awesome. He's the highest grade. I just want to point that out. He's the highest graded player I have on the Bears by far. He's been really good. Um, it's more so the running game stuff that I'm I'm worried about this week. Yeah, I, I wonder how much this matchup becomes how much the Colts try to keep the Bears in their base personnel. Does that make sense to you? Just in terms of keeping a Robert Quinn off the field for those pass rush downs, for putting the pressure on Bilal Nichols to be that man to eat up a couple blocks in the middle. Like, what what do they do to really force the issue by forcing the ball down the Bears' throats? Can they do it? I don't know. But I'm looking at you, Danny Trevathan, and I'm looking at you, Roquan Smith, at being something better than you have been the first three weeks because I think it's uh, you can be rightfully concerned about the type of play you've gotten from your middle linebacker position positions thus far this season. Yeah, those guys need to play better. They they need to have a huge game on Sunday if the Bears want to win. By the way, I briefly mentioned this with Zach earlier. I was just surprised at Football Outsiders their offensive line rankings right now, and they track a ton of analytics. Um, but what they come out with is the adjusted line yards. So it's kind of like the yards that the offensive line accounts for. The Packers right now have the best offensive line in football, according to their rankings. Number two is actually the Minnesota Vikings, which is probably a little surprising. The Bears, though, are seventh. The Bears' offensive line has been playing well. 
and that should be pointed out. Um, and they've only allowed five sacks so far this season, sack rate of 4.8%. I was just surprised that the Colts, as good as their offensive line is, farther down the list, and I think part of that is because their sack rate is higher, tells me they've been blocking well on the run, but there's there's opportunities to get after Phillip Rivers, especially because he doesn't move around too much. He's trying to get rid of the ball very, very quickly. Well, I feel like the description of a statue fits very well for 38-year-old Philip Rivers. Like even stepping up in the pocket, not exactly moving quite well these days. Uh, we have a bonus question from Twitter. Fan this question. Is, I like this. We should do this every week, everybody. Yeah. Remember this, this. Is, so this is big picture, not so much about this game, but I want to bring it up. Um comes from uh, Chris Centel on Twitter, at Centel83. 83. He says, my unpopular Bears opinion. I don't think they should re-sign A-Rob. Mitch is clearly not the future, and Foles is not a long-term answer. Trade A-Rob if you can get a first-round pick, then package as many picks as you can to trade up for a quarterback. Discuss. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this. I okay. don't. I don't entirely disagree with it. No, no, no. And you, I'm surprised. You why. Um, if here's here's why. If if this if trading, I will. This is the only condition I agree. If trading Allen Robinson somehow leads to Trevor Lawrence, I'll trade him this morning. Bam. The quarterback position is by far the most important, and. Last year, I gave Joe Burrow the highest quarterback grade I've ever given a quarterback. I think going back to 2012 when I started doing my quarterback rankings every year. And I said at the time, I think I would have Trevor Lawrence higher than Joe Burrow if he was in this draft. So we still got a college football season that needs to play out. But I I think Trevor Lawrence is one of those rare quarterbacks that if he, if you somehow end up with that guy in the draft, you are set up for at least a decade. And so as much as I think Allen Robinson's awesome and they should re-sign him, if there's a somehow... The problem is you don't know that. Like, you can't trade Allen yeah. Robinson this morning and know that you're going to be able to trade those picks and get uh, get Trevor Lawrence. But if you could somehow tell me this morning that you could guarantee that scenario playing out, I would do it. Here's the scenario, the, maybe the more serious, realistic, I should say, scenario I see playing out. Nick Foles is your quarterback this year and next. So that opens up finances for a guy like Allen Robinson to be, to, to be re-signed. Resigning Allen Robinson sends a good message to your locker room. The locker room clearly wants him back. Uh, is he a top five receiver? It's Yeah, there's numbers that say yes. There's other numbers that say no. There's some scouts that would say, ah, I don't know, he's up there somewhere. The, the truth of the matter is it's not so much where he ranks, it's what the market is. So... He's going to get paid, whether it's by the Bears or not. Um, would I consider a first-round pick for him? Oh, absolutely. But the, the trade deadline is a long ways away. I think the Bears see themselves as being competitive throughout this year, so they're not going to decrease their playoff chances by giving up one of their best players. I just can't see them doing it. Um, so I think Allen Robinson gets worked out. I don't know if it happens during the season, maybe after the season, and Nick Foles is your starter Next year, and maybe the Bears take a swing at a quarterback at some point in the draft. 
Yeah, I can see that happening. Um, yeah, you said realistic. I mean, again, it, there, there's no possible way that right now, if you traded Allen Robinson, you could be guaranteed Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know that you can operate that way. I think it would be smarter to try to find a path to get this extension done. And if you can't reevaluate the situation in the offseason, um, you probably can't get as much for A-Rob in a trade if you were to tr- franchise tag him and and move him in the offseason uh, compared to now. But, dude, you're 3-0. and You can't trade your best wide receiver right now when you have a capable quarterback in Nick Foles. Let it play out. Lot fun of thi- question. Lot, lot, yeah, it is a fun question. I appreciate the question. I thought it was worth discussing because it, it is an unpopular Bears opinion. Um. But it's popular for me if it ends up in Trevor Lawrence. I'll say that. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Johns, it's that time. Bold predictions. What do you got this week? I'm going to say the Bears' defense holds the Colts under 100 yards rushing. Wow. Is that bold? Okay, under... No, no, that's bold. Okay, based on what we've seen so far. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you, 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 there's skepticism about what the the hundred yard mark is for for teams, but I like your word you've been using, leaky. And I'm not. I'll use my term again. Rightfully concerned about the play of the middle middle linebackers, and they just need to be better. I think the defensive line has actually been okay. You know, the 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 linebackers are the ones who have to make the plays now. So. I have, in terms of bold predictions, the Bears holding the Colts' rushing game under 100 yards. All right. um, I am not very optimistic about that matchup. I'm going to go to the offensive side of the football, though. Uh, What would you – I want to make sure this is bold. So what would you – what's a bold amount of touchdown passes for Nick Foles? In this one? Yeah, I'm going to say three. Three, yes. Okay. I'm going to go with three touchdown passes for Nick Foles. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, 
I, I, I think that offensively, they're going to keep some of that momentum going. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I don't think he's going to be perfect. Like I think there'll be an interception in there too. Um, but I think more so just the the offense is going to be a little bit more consistent. And with that, you're going to see a quarterback that's better at once they get in the red zone, finishing that off with touchdowns. And, and, and so I think there'll be three touchdown passes for Nick Foles in this game. Ooh. Predictions. We have a low-scoring affair coming to the lakefront, Adam. I'm going to go, at least by by today's NFL standards, I'll say low-scoring. This is not going to be one of those old-school 3 nothing, you know, 6 nothing games. 23-19, some type of wacky score with the 19 getting in there because I think there'll be a missed extra point, missed field goal. Um on some side. So 23-19 Bears. I do think there is some momentum carried over from uh, the Falcons game. I do think Nick Foles will have his good moments. And I do think the defense rises to this challenge a bit against a better a better opponent just across the board in the Colts offensively. So who would you have winning? Bears. What did I say? I, I was sorry. Twenty three nineteen Bears home team. Yes, Bears. maybe I maybe I just missed who you. Maybe picked. I said Colts, but twenty three nineteen Bears is where I was. Going. I heard the score. I didn't hear. I maybe I just blacked out because you're actually picking the Bears to win this game. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what's interesting is you're calling that a low scoring game, and I get it because there's been so much offense, especially this season. I, I'm going to go twenty four twenty one Colts. And I actually feel like that's a high-scoring game. Well, you uh, have Nick Foles throwing three touchdown right. passes, so you yeah. make sure to get that in there. Unfortunately, I think there might be a missed field goal in there, too. Or Nagy's just not willing to throw to kick the field goal. What's our win forecast Sunday? I don't know. I, I believe it's supposed to be a bit rainy as well. Well, our guy didn't handle the win so well last time. And uh, Carlos Santos. <laughs> you mean the win inside the dome? By the way, shout out to well, th- thanks to Twitter. I love Twitter. I love our listeners on Twitter. Had to point out that apparently Larry Mayer called him Carlos Santos at lunch with Larry. <laughs> like typed it out. Yeah. That's not just saying Carlos Santos. He typed out Carlos Santos. That's very good. That's how you know this podcast is making a difference in the world. Right there, Carlos Santos. Yeah, unfortunately, I got the Colts winning. Uh, I, I, look, I'm part of this is I'm high on the Colts this season. I looked really dumb in week one, but I think I said on the podcast after week one that I think that's the game that we all look back on at the end. Of the- Remember it happened with the Saints a couple years ago? They lost to the Bucks in week one out of nowhere, a bad Bucks team. Uh, and I think that was the year, it might have been the year they should have been in the Super Bowl because of the pass interference call. Um, there's a game like that every year in week one. I think that's going to be the Colts-Jaguars game. I think they've shown the last couple weeks they're a pretty good team. They're well-rounded team. They have a good defense. They run the football well. Like Zach Kiefer said, they don't need Phillip Rivers to be Phillip Rivers uh, that he used to be. I just I don't trust his defense right now. I've been kind of on that train since week one. Part of it's the own expectations that we built up for the defense. I understand that, but uh, until they prove they're not leaky, I, I got to go with the Colts in this game. So that's what I'm doing. Should we do our other predictions? Let's do it. What was you know kind of unusual about Brian was he kind of played like a monster man in New Mexico. 
We start within the division. Noon Central on Fox against the Bears game. It's the Saints coming off a loss to a different NFC North team, the very good-looking Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm talking in a football sense. They're also good-looking gentlemen, too, on that team. Um, they now. They go to Detroit, and they face the Lions, who got a victory last week. People all of a sudden are doubting the Saints, John Z. They're doubting Drew Brees. Yeah. I have to say, I mean, Drew Brees' arm does not look great. No. I feel like, though, we've had, like, this is like the old Tom Brady conversation from like five years ago. Remember this? Like, oh, Tom Brady doesn't look like himself. Is this the end of Tom Brady? And sure enough, here he is in 2020. Still Tom Brady. I think this is still Drew Brees. Maybe there's certain things not running smoothly for that offense, but the Saints are still pretty darn good. And the Lions, I don't trust them. <laughs> the Lions. They're the least trusted team on the Hogan Johns podcast by far. Yeah, it's not so much... Hot flaming garbage yet, but getting close. Like the match is ready to be thrown in there. Um, give me the Saints in this one, quite handedly. Yeah. So here's the thing: uh, um, the Drew Brees conversation has been the the, the big conversation with the Saints. Uh, there's even some people wondering if Jameis Winston should be put in there, which I think would be a mistake because yeah, he might be able to throw the ball downfield better. Uh, he also throws the ball to the other team better. Um. The problem is that I'm focusing on with the New Orleans Saints. You watch their defense? I mean, I know it's Aaron Rodgers, but he didn't have Devontae Adams. And you saw that Packer team last year. When they didn't have Devontae Adams, they couldn't move the ball consistently. They just walked up and down the Superdome, and not having the crowd mattered for sure. But they're going up and down the field, scoring 37 points. I thought the Saints had a really good defense. And that, to me, has been the far more disappointing part and the thing that they need to figure out. Because if you watched that Lions game last week, and we talked about this going in the Week 1 matchup with the Bears, they have an offense. They have Matthew Stafford. Kenny Galladay was back last week. That that changed things. They looked a lot better. So, to me, this is the big test for the Saints. If you can't even slow down the Lions here, um, well, the, like I said, the Lions are good. But this, if they can't slow down the Lions, then I'm going to have even more doubts and with the Saints defense, and that's where I'm going to start to really say, all right, well, maybe the Saints weren't what they thought they what they thought we were. I knew going into the season, Drew Brees wasn't going to be throwing the ball 40 yards downfield every time. It's the defense that I, I'm uh, worried about more. That being said, it's the Lions. Saints win and cover. <laughs> you said all that. <laughs> you picked against the Lions. <laughs> that's what we do here. Yeah. Yes, dude. Yeah. Uh, all right, noon, also noon central on Fox. The Vikings go to Houston, a battle of two 0-3 teams uh, that might be better than 0-3. Like, if you had to pick the two teams that are 0-3, the Texans have had a horrendous schedule so far. So this is like the conversation about the Bears being the worst 3-0 and team. Right. And so we're calling the Texans the best 0-3 team. I don't know if I want to go that far because they are, have no help for Deshaun Watson. Their defense have, stinks, doesn't it? Yes, but it also needs to be pointed out that they... I don't know what Bill O'Brien or the Texans did to the NFL offense that, or the office, uh, the schedule makers, to anger them, but to have to start the season against the Chiefs, Ravens, and Steelers. 
Not That's easy. tough. That's tough. Uh, they are four and a half point favorites against the Vikings. By the way, the Vikings found Justin Jefferson, their first round pick last week. He had a big game. And that could change things offensively. I saw a clip today. Uh, I think it was shared by Chad Graff, our Vikings reporter. Mike Zimmer, quite testy already. Like week 15 form, like out of the playoffs like form. Um, not on the hot seat, but definitely not happy with his start. I think he's a great coach. I think that team is massively underachieving. Like on paper, I think the Vikings have a better roster, but something's just just off. Even with Justin Jefferson getting so, something's off up up in Minnesota. I don't know what it well, is. Well, I but. can tell you what it. Yeah, I know what it is. Is your boy Kirk Cousins? Oh sucks. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to do the uh, you know Minnesota accent. Yeah. Uh, give me the Texans in this one, e- even covering potentially winning by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm gonna go Vikings. I think that um, I- I'm gonna stick to Vikings long- winning or Vikings just covering. Uh, they might even win. Okay, they might even win. Uh, I- I'm gonna stick to, to the-, the Vikings have been worse than I thought here, but early. But I did say they were gonna start zero two. I didn't think they start zero three. I didn't think they lose to the Titans at home. Um. They're a young team. They're well coached. They're going to start to figure this out, uh, especially on the defensive side of the football. And the Texans can't protect Deshaun Watson. They can't run the football. They got rid of DeAndre Hopkins in the dumbest trade of all time. And that's going to help the Vikings, young defense in this situation, uh, stay in the game. And I don't love Kirk Cousins, but he can do enough in this game. I'm going to take the Vikings to cover, maybe even win, but definitely give me the Vikings. I'm going to get crazy. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. 325 Central on CBS. The New England Patriots go to Kansas City. A little bit of a tougher test for Cam Newton. Bill Belichick this week. Chiefs look really good on Monday night in Baltimore. The Chiefs are a seven-point home favorite in this game. Do you know Cam Newton only has two touchdown passes this season? I know he's running the ball well, but if yep. you stop him from running, what do they become? I love that, that the Cam Newton conversation is going to be persistent here in Chicago because the Bears did not sign him. But, yeah, you're starting to see – Concern there about what he could be as a passer for for Josh McDaniels. Maybe that changes this week. Maybe the narrative is a bit different now. But um, I, I, I like the Chiefs actually, and almost a route here. I don't know why. Gut feel they, they just look great. Patrick Mahomes looked fantastic the other night. Um, give me the Chiefs by like double digits here. Ten points, fourteen points. You know, seven points is a lot. I'm not going to doubt Bill Belichick, but I just think the the Chiefs. Both sides of the ball. I know they got some injuries on defense. They're just the, the the more superior team right now, you know, on paper, on the field, everything. So I'm not worried about the Chiefs winning this game at all. I think they're a lot better than the Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to end up being more of like a nine and seven team um, that I thought they were coming into the season. This is something of like a, it's a principle. I can't seven points with Bill Belichick. 
You're giving Bill Belichick seven points. I'm going to take those points. See, I don't doubt that he can't keep this close, but hey, just watch the Chiefs. You can do yeah, everything in your power to stop these guys, and Patrick Mahomes makes something miraculous out of nothing. But also after their nice week one performance, they came back in week two and kind of had a little bit of a letdown. So I just think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Um, the coaching on the Patriots side is going to be a little bit of a difference to at least cover. Uh, maybe even a backdoor cover. But this is a game I would stay away from for the most part. But since we're picking it, I'm going to take the Patriots to cover Chiefs to win. We're going to be simple. We're going to play fast. We're going to play hard. We're going to kill it, okay? This is a great acronym, you guys, right? Kill it. Keep it likable and learnable. We use the word OSCE. 720 Central on NBC. This is your Sunday night game. The Eagles, 0-2-1. At the banged-up 49ers. You're funny during these picks. Eh? You're, you're, yeah. You're, you're, good job. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> After six years, it's about time. I'm enjoying it. Uh, the 49ers are seven-point favorites. They're banged up. That did not affect them. I thought the Giants I thought the Giants could win outright last week, and the 49ers just say, get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, impressive, actually. Uh, who's going to be on the field for him? I have no idea. I who's, am. Yeah, you are? You're up? Yep. Yeah, your number's been called? I believe it. But Carson Wentz, woof, what is going on with, with him? That's a lot of money they spent on him, and I don't know what is is, is, is happening. Maybe he misses John Filippo. Maybe he misses Flip. Maybe he misses Frank Reich. You know, guys, you're going to be at Soldier Field on Sunday because something is... Something is very wrong with Carson Wentz. Um, a lot of things still seem to be very right with the 49ers. I, I'm going to pick the Eagles to cover. 49ers will win this, but yeah, Carson Wentz, just in terms of uh, not alarming, but like problems that have emerged. I, I did not see that one coming this season. Yeah. You know, the Eagles had a random game last year where they went in the Lambeau and won. Uh, was that a Thursday night game? Might have been Thursday night. This would be a game I'd stay away from. I still think the Eagles are better than what they've shown, but I don't know. It's also a possibility that that Super Bowl window that they were in is just completely shut out of nowhere. Carson Wentz needs to play a lot better. Somehow these 49ers, I mean, there's a big step up between the Giants and the Eagles still, but they look damn good. Nick Mullins might have to play, but he looked good. I'm going to take the 49ers. I think I'm going to even take them to cover. Ooh. I don't feel great about it, but seven points, that's that's a big number, but it's it's got to be there for a reason. All right, so two words, Aaron Rodgers. Um, Hall of Fame, two words. Classic. The best part is he doubled down on the two words at the end. Classic. <laughs> I saw him. He played the other night for the Ravens. He's still in the league. Good for him, man. I like Pernell McPhee. He was oh, he fun was to cover. The best. Pernell on these Zoom calls. He was a good calls. player when he was on the field, too. He was solid. Yeah. Good player. He, if he we had Pernell on, Pernell on these Zoom calls would be amazing. I would love it. All right. Monday night, 715 Central on ESPN. Falcons at Packers. Aaron Rodgers. Two words. Hall of Fame. Packers. Seven and a half point favorites at home. 
I don't know if the Falcons are going to have a lead the blow in this one, Johnsy. What are they, I don't know how how are they going to they're they're going to be lost. They're not going to know what to do. They already blew it. Um, I like the Falcons, not at all. <laughs> I like the Packers. Lock it up. Lock this one up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. This has Aaron Rodgers' route written all over it. We're talking like four touchdown, five touchdown game. Just completely torching that secondary that Nick Foles torched in a quarter and a half. You you think, you know, the Falcons look miserable playing Nick Foles. Wait till they're on the field with Aaron Rodgers and everything he's doing. Packers in a route. Aaron Rodgers, five touchdown passes in this one. Yeah, I honestly don't understand why. It's almost suspicious that this line's only seven and a half when you start looking at the matchups. I know people think the Falcons are better than the record because they have had those leads. But... Aaron Rodgers should light up the secondary. It's the worst passing defense in the league. Like, he's not going to school around in the first half like Mitch Trubisky did. He's going to be scoring. So that's what he was doing. He's going to be throwing touchdowns. Touchdowns. Not field goals or missed field goals. Touchdowns. He's not throwing field goals, folks. And Matt Ryan looked awful in the second half against the Bears. And that Packer defense has been pretty good. Not great, but good. Good enough when you got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't even know. Are they going to have Devontae back? Do you even need Pop? him? They didn't last week. Yeah. Give me the Packers big here. This one doesn't even make sense. All right. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? I think it's going to be a, a, the most... All the Bears games have been close this <laughs> this. This year, but like on paper, just this seems more evenly matched. Like I thought they were the superior team the past three weeks. Didn't play like it all the time, but from the offensive line to defensive lines, the skill positions, even to the quarterback play, I find this the most evenly matched game thus far for the Bears. Uh, for first quarter decides everything for me in this game. If the Bears get those yards, uh, avoid a three and out, move the football, and then they don't get in the end zone, and it's more of that, they're going to have problems. Uh, and if they fall behind, I don't think they come back against this Colts team. And I'm, I'm even talking like a touchdown. Like, they can't be playing from behind in this football game if they want to win. But if they can win the first quarter, get off to a lead, I can see how it comes out the way you predicted with the Bears winning. And if that is the case... They should be getting a lot more respect than they've been getting so far uh, this season. 4-0, man. That's 4-0 with a chance to go 5-0 against Tom Brady on Thursday night. That would be something. All right. Well, we'll be back after the game on Sunday with the postgame show. As always, should be entertaining either way. Certainly the first three weeks have been. And uh, we don't expect anything different with these Chicago Bears. We've been doing these postgame pods for long enough to know that Something crazy is probably going to happen, and we'll we'll react to it. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read us. Get ready for the game, theathletic.com, slash Hogan Johns. You can read me at NBC Sports, Chicago.com. Please rate and review the podcast. Please tell your fri- friends. Spread the word. We appreciate you doing that. We will talk to you on Sunday. See ya. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley?
Kent, do you want us to start a new audio file for this Google, Google brief? All right. Let me let me uh, save this one.